0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our second episode of the Virtual Voices podcast from Peel Virtual Secondary School. I'm Samir Chawla. Uh, Today we have a very, very, very exciting guest, uh, a member of staff, actually, Um, our social worker, Colleen Dalton. Colleen, great to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Colleen, uh, we have a set of questions that we were going to ask, although hopefully we can be a little colloquial given that uh, we do work together. Um, Maybe a little background on Ms. Dalton. Um, Colleen is responsible for all of Peel Virtual Secondary School and Peel Elementary Virtual School, um, which means her catchment is the entire Peel region, uh, which ranges from South Mississauga to North Brampton. Um, Although I've worked with many, many, many talented Uh, social workers in the past, uh, I've got to say that um, the work ethic and effectiveness of Ms. Dalton is not to be understated and uh, we are very, very lucky to have her. Uh, Now that that's out of the way, (laughs) (laughs) um, maybe hear from you. Who are you and what do you do?
1: So I'm very honored to be here and thanks for the warm welcome. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm the school social worker. In particular today, I'd like to honor Peel Virtual Secondary School, year two. And I am, I'm a woman of many talents, Mr. Chawla, but uh, as a school social worker, I come with a background of clinical uh, practice as well as international social work practice. So it's um, always very humbling uh, to have a moment and kind of review how I do what I do. And um, I'm still very excited to do what I do in my job.
0: That's great to hear. Um, So the first, I mean, maybe the second question now is, What is school social work for those that may not know?
1: Right. So the official role description for us is that school social workers assist schools in identifying and helping to remove those obstacles within children or within their environment, which interfere with their ability to benefit from educational experience. So that's a lot, right? So at the end of the day, what it means is we really are goal focused. So anything that's getting in the way of the student being able to engage, and in this case with us virtually, my job is to help identify what those barriers are and remove them so that we can ensure that students are getting uh, their educational experience, but also, given that I'm a social worker, we're also looking at the mental health of our students. And if that's something a student is struggling with, uh, we provide assessment, we do counseling, we provide consultation, we look at alternative programming, behavioral resourcing, we link families with supports in the community. Uh, and we we kind of use our expertise to ensure that the students experience in this moment with us is honored.
0: That's great. Um- How long have you been doing this for, school social worker?
1: 24 years.
0: (laughs) 24 years, my goodness. Have you always been uh, within the Peel District School Board as a school social worker?
1: No, I haven't. So um, I started out with children's aid. So I was a child protection worker for 10 years. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school and specialize in international social work or international development. And I then subspecialized in research, community organization, management and policy. And I had a beautiful opportunity to work in Mexico City uh, with women with disabilities for a year. And uh, the beautiful thing about that is I still keep in touch with them and it keeps my Spanish pretty top notch. Uh, (laughs) So I'm able to uh, bring that into the job whenever I can and happily to do so. Um, But I'm just as excited 24 years ago as I am now to do what I do. I really I'm very passionate about social work in general. That's
0: good to hear. Or bueno, should I say. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Gracias>.
0: <laughs> um, so moving along, um, social work and what, where it came from and where it is and where's, where it's going um, can tend to change just like any other uh, industry or discipline. Could you share uh, perhaps a brief overview of the history of social work and, and how it has evolved over the years?
1: So, yeah, social work um, started off in the charity movement. Um, so we we're really seen as the do-gooders. Um, I'm so happy to say in some ways, though, that we've we've flipped that stereotype upside down. We're, we're more than that. We're really focused on clinical practice, everything from international social work that I spoke about earlier, to research, to advocacy, to management, and social justice, and policy work. School social work in particular, we look at using a lens of anti-oppressive and anti-racist practice. Um, as I spoke about earlier, we explored the importance of mental health. Um, the Ontario Association of Social Workers actually just over the weekend um, put out a stat that suggests that we are the largest mental health provider in Ontario, school social workers or social workers in general, I should say. Uh, school social workers are part of that number, I'm sure. But social workers are the largest provider of mental health uh, in Ontario, which is staggering when you think about it. More wow. than doctors, more than nurses, but it's actually us. Um, so we really, we see mental health is just as important as physical health. And it, it, we really promote that reaching out for assistance is a sign of help. So for example, if you've sprained your ankle, of course you would, what would you do? You would reach out for help. You would go to the doctor. You would maybe get your ankle looked at. Um, we see that as the same for mental health, that you are valued. Your mental health is valuable as part of who you are and that you would reach out for support for that as well.
0: It's good to know. That's good to know. And it's a good that's a good parallel to make that, you know, health, whether it be physical or mental, are, are can be equivalent, right? Health is health. Um, so uh, maybe tying it back to the, the school experience, um, how does school social work make a positive impact on the individuals, families, communities, uh, especially in our new uh, virtual school setting?
1: Yeah, so um, it's we're it's very exciting times for our school, as well as for me being our school social worker, because I went and I pulled our um, school mission statement to see what, uh, what we saw as kind of um, our path forward. So in our school mission statement, it looks like we talk about innovative learning experiences that support the development of digital literacy and other transferable skills. For me as a school social worker, I see that as an opportunity to provide innovative ways to address social, emotional, mental health needs especially given in this virtual landscape. How can we be proactive? How can we be creative around how we address the social, emotional and mental health needs of our students? I would argue that what I've noticed so far as, um, so far in my work at our school is that we need to work harder to build relationships virtually. It doesn't come as easily as possible when we're in person. Virtually, we need to make opportunities for our students to have a space to be what they need to be in that moment. A lot of times in my work, we're walking alongside students. Our students at times can be um, described as the most vulnerable, marginalized students in our system. They've actually said that to me, that they haven't had, our students haven't had positive experiences in our system. They've experienced racism, they've experienced oppression we provide that safe space for them to be and to see themselves as who they are which is a valuable member of our Peel Virtual Secondary School community. That to me cannot be understated of that safe space that we're providing, the connections our teachers in the classrooms are providing. Any student that I'm meeting with really echoes that the teachers care uh, about our students. They go out of their way to check in with our students. How are you? Beyond the surface talk. I um, honestly think that we are a beautiful example of the power of connections and the power of relationships, which is crucial to the work that we do in supporting our students and their social, emotional, mental health.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, right now it's uh, November 2023. And, um at Peel Virtual, uh, we started uh, to implore a new timetable uh, where the afternoons um, are time when students and staff are connecting kind of one on one or in small groups, um, and when they're not you know completing those asynchronous tasks. And you know, I'd be remiss to say that part of the shift in model was, of course, based on feedback. But part of it was the the social work model. Um, when you're saying, you know, building connections, um engaging in maybe not engaging in, but developing trust within a power dynamic like a staff, like a teacher and a student. Um, building trust is like basically step one in the learning process. And in addition to our staff, I'm I'm very glad that uh social work is there um to also provide that type of safe space um outside of a classroom teacher, outside of the judgment of perhaps Marx and some of the some of the academics that can uh, precipitate some some feelings of ah uh, of angst or or happiness sometimes,
1: well, I think too, when we look at relationships and we think back to when we went to school, we think of the one person, that one teacher, that one guidance counselor, that one staff member that saw everything of who we are, and how important and pivotal that is, right, to where we are now. And we can remember the name of that person, right? Um, I think for me, when I think back, it definitely was my co-op teacher who suggested that I look at a social work placement. Um, I vividly remember the conversation and then I knew, yeah, absolutely, I want to do social work. I I was very lucky. At 16, I knew what I wanted to do after that placement. But I think you just need that one person who gets you and sees your amazingness because school is not easy (laughs) for a lot of students. Um, It can be very difficult We know about COVID-19 that exacerbated the mental health needs of our society, but in particular, our students and our children, right? So how do we move forward in such a way that we're honoring what they've experienced that we didn't experience going through school? They've experienced so much more than we have, but also honoring where they need to go from here and how can we boost and, and show them their strengths so I think it, it it speaks to the power of relationships. And I think um, this is, you know, the crux of my work is ensuring that we have those relationships with our students. It's so crucial. Absolutely. And I, and I feel we've done a beautiful job in providing that space and we'll continue to do so for them to be authentically who they need to be in that moment.
0: Yes, yes. And I can, I totally agree with the sentiment that, well, me and you, we've never experienced school in the way that our current students at Peel First Virtual yep. Secondary School are experiencing school correct the the landscape has changed the avenue through which they're accessing materials are different our medium is different yes. our timetable is different yes it's uh it can be jarring so um it's it's quite a privilege isn't it to well, to work with our students that are navigating kind of this it's actually a new world. I know it's not fashionable to say 21st century because we're already 23 years into it, but this is something different and there's a lot of potential and opportunity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I never see myself as an expert because how could I ever imagine what our generation at this moment has gone through? I can't, but I see myself as walking alongside them and accompanying them in managing some of this and teaching them some of those transferable skills that we spoke about as our mission statement for the school For me, those transferable skills would be around coping, coping Mm. with the unknown, coping with these stressors, coping with daily life, coping with assignments. We're around the time of report cards, right? So that can within itself can be challenging uh, at this moment for a lot of our students. So how do we teach them those transferable skills that are going to blend over into life, the day-to-day living skills? That to me is mental health.
0: I, I can I can attest to that. And this li- definitely links with my next question. Uh, I'm going to let all of our listeners know that Miss um, Dalton is uh, so talented that uh, not only is she there, of course, formally for our students and their families, uh, she's actually been there for me personally. Um, Pauline, if you remember, I was having a, l- a little bit of a row um, as a, as a vice principal of a secondary school and a virtual school at that. Uh, There are a lot of uh, competing interests I have to navigate from time to time. And I'm not a robot. And sometimes I do have, um, you know, emotional responses. And I'll tell everyone, Miss Dalton uh, asked me if I would, if I needed some help. And I obliged. With the lights down a little bit, we (laughs) brought out some instruction. I sat on my chair, followed some, I think it was just breathing techniques. Was it, was it Colleen? I think it was. Uh,
1: Progressive muscle relaxation
0: aggressive muscle relaxation. And I think it was about eight minutes, eight, yes. eight nine, 10 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it had a obvious impact on me. So I can attest to the magic uh, that you do provide, um, which leads me to my next question here. What are some success stories outside of the one that I just told? Of course. <laughs> um, what are some success stories uh, you've experienced while supporting families uh, at PDSS as our social worker?
1: So one of the things that I've done a lot more of than I ever have in my career with the board, I've been with the board 16 years now. Um, I always did home visits because I was used to doing them for uh, them for children's Aid. So home visits were part and parcel of how I saw my role. But I believe for this school, I have done more home visits in the last two years than I have over the last 16. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I, even though we're virtual, I still need to have that um, in-person connection to our families and our students. It's important that they see me, that they know who I am. Um, Often I'm working with our students and families in what can be the most challenging, difficult time in their lives, um, the most scary time in their lives. So I think it's important that they see me and feel who I am. And the best way for me to do that is by going out to the homes. So I'll give you, um, I've gotten the permission of the student to share in general, but I won't be identifying their name or um, to, I want to honor their confidentiality. But I do have one student uh, that I worked with last school year. And it was a very moving um, situation for me. She was one of the first students that was referred to me for attendance. So often, when we receive students, they're under the umbrella of either not engaging, so it becomes an attendance concern, which under the Ministry of Education is your school social worker, and/or it becomes a counseling situation where there's been a request for some short-term counseling. What's important to know before I tell this person's Jay story? Uh, again, Jay's not a real name. We're we're using Jay to honor her um, confidentiality. But what's important to know for school social work, if if anyone listening wants to um, appreciate this, is that basically we are often the holder uh, of people, meaning that before any community resources can get involved, generally there's wait lists. And those wait lists can be a year to two years, if not more. So often as school social workers, we're with people. Um, Although we say that sometimes our involvement is short term, the reality is it's not short term because there's no one else uh, available to support our families in the community. So it's us. So Jay came to me as a result of um, not engaging in school. Um, She, over COVID, uh, participated, of course, online as a lot of our students had the opportunity to do so when we were only online and she began to disengage from school at that time. So it had been a couple years um, that she had any kind of engagement in her schooling. And she unfortunately, probably overall wasn't interested in online learning. She hadn't left her room um, in about two years. Uh, wow. She would go to eat, um, mainly use the bathroom, but then go back to her room. She really felt that um, life just wasn't something she was available to participate in. And when we talk about availability and social work, generally we're talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Anxiety um, in particular, uh, social anxiety and generalized anxiety. Um and, of course, this generation, as we spoke about earlier, going through so many different stressors than we did when we were their age, um, it was difficult for other family members to understand what she mm-hmm. was going through. And so when I came to the home, initially, um, my visits with our student were outside a bedroom door. I would be literally talking to the bedroom door with hopes that she would hear me. And um One thing I'm really proud of as school social workers and social work in general is our commitment. Uh, We will meet students where they're at. So if sitting outside that bedroom door for visits upon visits, it's okay. Uh, We let students know we're there and we will do what needs to get done in order to let them know that. Mm -hmm. So over time, and I mean months, (laughs) student eventually came out. And we found out we had some common interests, uh, in particular music. Uh, we found out that um, COVID-19 was really a struggle for her. And uh, she hadn't had a positive of school experience in years. So once she was able to open up a computer with me and see that, you know, how we log on. And Mr. Tell, I believe, was with your support, because I'm not the most tech savvy, but I'm people <laughs> so savvy. And what I know as a people-savvy person is that you stay in that moment as long as you need to. So eventually, um, she did log on. Then it was a matter of the next goal being, could we get outside? Could we step outside our front door and get some fresh air? What's really important is when we look at mental health and physical health is how much movement are we getting? And our students often are not getting uh, the required amount of physical activity needed necessarily. Now, COVID-19 did allow for a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of Go Noodle, a lot of brain breaks and freeze dances, all Mm -hmm. wonderful, but it's a matter of practicing them. Um, So one of my um, areas of specialty is walk and talk therapy. So I suggested to the student, is there a way in which we could actually go outside? And at that particular time, I was on the phone with her. And could we? go for a walk together and be together in this moment? Would you be able to go outside your front door and stand on your front porch for a period of time? Mm -hmm. So all of which we do, I mean, my modalities are cognitive behavior therapy, act, acceptance, commitment therapy, and mindfulness. Uh, And of course, what I just spoke about, walk and talk therapy. So all of which we do are informed by uh, evidence-based practices. So um, that was why we led... um, We ended up, Jay and I, doing a walk and talk therapy session. And eventually, she was able to do a walk around the block. I'm really pleased to say um, that at this point, her pathway was to return to in-person school, for sure. And she's doing well, and we keep in touch. But what I'm really proud to say our school did was it allowed flexibility for her to who who she needed to be in that moment. And for us to intervene the best way possible for her best interests. Mm
0: -hmm. We were
1: mindful We allowed her pathway to be honored. We ensured that she got the proper mental health care she needed. And we provided those encouraging moments uh, and the moments of hope. And I think hope can't be understated with our school either. We provide hope. We provide hope to our families and students that they're not forgotten, that we will do whatever it takes to be there for them and ensure that they're not engaging just in education, but engaging in life. And I think To me, that is my proudest um, success story of any student I've worked with thus far is that we provided this family with hope. We provided the student with hope.
0: That's great. That's really good to hear. And, you know, you mentioned it um, during 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 the story of of Jay. um, The one part that kind of stuck out to me was the meandering pathway that some of us follow. whether whether with social work support or not um we do tell students and families from time to time that yep you go from grade to grade to grade to grade then to middle school then to high school and then high school after post-graduation you have these almost prescriptive pathways you know there's the workplace there's apprenticeship there's college there's university but yes the truth is as we know uh, some of us like miss Dalton figure out what they want to do when they're 16 years old and it's a, a almost a straight shot um it also almost reminds me of my sister who decided to do the same thing as a lawyer 16 years old that's what I want to do um, that's it. I can confidently say for myself my pathway was not straight right uh, sounds like Jay's will also not be as straight as we conventionally understand it but that pathway does meander and and it can, there's no judgment better or worse. It's, it's different. And, uh, and like you said, it's kind of beautiful in any way it manifests, whether it's a straight shot or or not.
1: Yeah. I've often said we're in the business of providing opportunity. Hmm. So what we think the student needs or the family needs, right? We, you know, we have to step away from that, I think, because the experts, so to speak, are the student and family. We are alongside them in their journey for their pathway, well, as you say, whatever that means for them, but we provide that space, that safe space, that positive environment that sees them. And I think, again, to me, that's something I'm very proud of with our school that we do, because I think it's it's so needed and should be everywhere, but I definitely noticed that with our school. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the points too about, I wanted to speak about is measuring success. So mm-hmm. what success looks like or what our goals look like, um, very collaboratively, uh, we identify with our students and families. So they're not necessarily our goals, as we just spoke about, or what we perceive needs to happen, but mm-hmm. rather they're they're joint. And really quite often it's the family and the student that are identifying what the goals are. Um,
0: I like that. Um, now, again, during that, that story with Jay, and you mentioned uh, – kind of briefly but you mentioned walk and talk therapy yes again it begs the question like what is walk and talk therapy but maybe further to that in your opinion and in your expertise how does physical well-being affect a person's overall well-being or mental health so kind of a two-parter so physical well-being its impact on mental health and health in general and specifically what is this walk and talk therapy stuff you're, you're mentioning
1: Right. So walk and talk therapy really, um, it isn't anything necessarily new, but I'm newly certified in it. It talks really about it, um, the idea that people are connected to and impacted by their natural environment and or nature. So it's an evidence based clinical treatment for stress, depression, anxiety, PTSD and grief. So it's really (laughs) in, in literal terms, walking and talking in nature. Um, so, school social workers—we don't necessarily provide treatment. That is not something that um, is part of our our role description. But what we do provide is these opportunities, um, the short-term counseling piece. So, with our school and in particular with Jay, I use that as an option. Um, how it's related to physical and mental health is that well, they're they're basically intertwined. So, when we talk about well-being, as we spoke about last year um when I did a presentation for our school community, well-being really encompasses the physical health, the mental health, social health, and environmental health. So it's all of those pieces of the pie that we that when we're looking at our well-being or how how connected we are to life, it's all those pieces. So then the idea would be that we would need to address all of those pieces of the pie. In order to say that we are managing, we are managing our mental health, we are managing our physical health, our social health, and our environmental health. So it's more than, mental health more than the absence of mental illness. It's about enjoying life. It's managing it to reach our goals. It's coping with stressors. And it is that sense of spiritual and emotional well-being.
0: Interesting. I like that. I like it's a kind of like a, well. In the education world, we call it you know the whole child approach, as uh, me and you are familiar with. But it's a holistic approach to support supporting individuals. Absolutely. Now, in your work, um, and you've you've already mentioned this a few times, but maybe we can just circle back around. Um, As a social worker, as a school-based social worker specifically, um, you're supporting uh, students that are you know up to eighteen years old, sometimes a little older. and their families, yes. Uh, which means you're probably exposed to a lot of stuff out there in the okay. field. Um, and of course, taking care of your own mental health is important. Um, but maybe more generally for for everyone listening, uh, what are some uh, specifically? What what are the ethical considerations and guidelines for uh, school social workers um, that they're required to follow to kind of maybe maintain, um, you know, ethical standards?
1: Yeah. So we, um, we actually are licensed Um, every year. We need to get our license through the Ontario college of social workers and social service workers. So they have um, you know, their role is really to protect the public. And so to even call ourselves social workers in the province of Ontario, we need to be licensed by that college and they have guidelines and ethical considerations every year. We need to um, ensure we're meeting those guidelines and recommendations um, for school social work in general, um, we, if it's a counseling situation where we're providing some short term counseling, we um, get written permission up until age 18 at this moment, although that may change to 12. Right now, it's still up to age 18, where we require parental consent uh, before we have any um, interactions with a student. Um, and generally everything that we, um, that we hear, that we see is kept confidential, except for a couple of exceptions. Number one, if we understand that a student is in danger, then we need to act appropriately. Uh, so it can be whether it's in danger to themselves, number one, uh, danger to others. Number two, um, if there's child protection concerns, Um, Also, if we understand that they've been a victim of some sort of sexual violence, we need to report that, or if we get called to court. So those are, in general, some of the exceptions to our confidentiality agreement that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, those need to be in place, right? And parents need to understand, um, you know, when they ask for school social work support, what it is that we're offering. We also do what's called informed consent. So whether a student comes to uh, my way via counseling or attendance, we reach out to parents first, always, or caregivers first, always. And we tell them, these are our services, and do you understand, and do you have any questions about what our services offer? Um, Just so we begin that dialogue right from the very beginning of that collaborative relationship of what we do and kind of what are some of the things they're looking for. It's important to get their expectations as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and that's quite that's quite a good service too and you're supporting families and well families are in some some people for most people hopefully uh they're the most important people in the world, so having uh, having everyone on the same page uh about what what a service like this is is important um which leads me kind of to the next point um i think I think the words social worker yes sometimes elicit just uh, you know almost a visceral response from some people sure. um while we have everyone's attention now um, in your experience, what what are some common misconceptions um, about school social work that uh, you have some time now to address?
1: The biggest one I think is that, that we are child protection workers, that we are CAS workers, um, which is not the case. Children's Aid is a separate entity, a separate organization funded by a separate uh, funder. We are school social workers. So we work for the board, uh, Peel District School Board, and so I think it's important to say that. And thank you for bringing this question up because it comes across quite often. Even when I call families now, they're like, do you work for Children's Aid? Or how how are you connected to CES? We're not. Children's Aid, as I, I said at the beginning, I worked there for 10 years. I have the utmost respect for the job in which they do. Um, but my role with the school board is different. Um, we're really about removing those barriers and anything getting in the way for the student being able to engage in their studies.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so this is kind of a generalized question. I don't want to maybe date this episode too much because there's a, (laughs) there's a lot going on in the world right now, That um, all of our mental health, not just our students, but our staff, our families. Um, but you know, are there any upcoming trends or developments that seem to be manifesting in your world, uh, in the, in the school social work world that, um, perhaps students specifically should be made aware of?
1: Yeah, so there is this uh, responsibility on the part of uh, school social work to always be up to date with our training. So I know in the last podcast, there was um, terminology such as grit or resiliency. I'm familiar with those terms. Um, For us right now, though, in our profession, we're really talking about navigating trauma. And trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident or a natural disaster or physical violence. Um, So why that's important is that trauma manifests itself in our body. Um, So a lot of what I do when I meet with our students is teaching them the neuroscience of it all. So what are the three helpers in our brain that we can use to deal with big feelings? One of them is the amygdala. So related to trauma um it's possible that at times some of our students that have experienced trauma, although they may not recall specifics or they might, um, it can create out of proportion responses to things that you or I might not perceive as danger but for them it's perceived as unsafe mm-hmm. and so their reactions uh, when we look at behavior um, may look quite different than what we were anticipating. Um, so it's really important that we always, um, ensure that you know we we have an understanding that behavior is what we see above the surface if we think of an iceberg we see behavior the top of that iceberg above the water it's what's below the water that iceberg that piece that's under the water that potentially could be trauma that that for me anyway I'm most passionate and curious about um, because we always equate behavior to that being, um, you know, the troubled child or something's wrong, but rather, generally, behavior can be a sign of distress that something's happened, and we need to figure out how we can best support the student.
0: Mm-hmm. And that that response,
1: or perhaps perhaps
0: disproportionate response to something, um, that's really telling of how how we are all how we are as individuals in relation to yes. each other. That a one size fits all really doesn't work, and we know necessitates you and your colleagues, right? Yes. Like maybe, um, not dig, but to discuss. Yes. Maybe bring some of that stuff to light. Um, so we're getting a little to the end of our time now. Um, yeah, last item and just a bookend uh, of this episode. Um, generally, and you've definitely <laughs> already answered this a little bit. Um, what is school social work at PDSS at the end of the day?
1: Well, I think that we are providing the opportunity. Uh, I am providing the opportunity with all of your support, all the staff support, teacher support um, to advocate alongside our students. So we are an advocate for our students. We are accessing school um, mental health supports, community mental health supports for them. We are the face of our school. When I go out to a home visit, I'm generally the first person they've seen that's in-person live. Um, And I'm also providing that short-term counseling that sometimes cannot be had, as I suggested before, in our community um, to our students to help them navigate through whatever challenges they're experiencing at that moment. Um, I really take it to heart that I provide our students with the best possible service because what we also know in social work is that um, you know we may not see um, eventually students graduate eventually they move on so we may not see that bounce back that resiliency that we spoke about in the podcast number one Um, but we can at very minimum provide them with the experience where we're planting seeds where we are letting them know that there are people who care about them, that see them, that value them, that when they go to their next experience, um, they will have already had a positive experience. So whether they seek counseling again or whether they go back to school, they've had a positive experience with us, um, that they're more apt to engage in supports.
0: That's great to hear. That's so good to hear. Um, Ms. Dalton, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank Uh, you our uh, our second episode of the virtual voices podcast uh for everyone uh i'm samir chawla take care everyone we'll see you in the next one bye-bye